We are in a study called the ABCs of Bible Study. Before that, isn't it great to hear the choir again? You guys did a great job. I'm going to give you another round of applause. Thank you. And our praise team always. I don't want to take away from that. But Bill Pointer, we're so grateful for you um, doing that work for us. And I know you like to get a lot of credit. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> We um, are in a, uh, the study we are in, if you're new to it, it is uh, in Psalm 119, and we are working through the Hebrew alphabet, as, as it was written. And, uh, and I've mentioned before, each portion, uh, when it was written in Hebrew, each verse starts with a certain letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and, and so it just helped people to remember. So... Uh, this series didn't use Hebrew, but we just used the English language and the English alphabet. Uh, we've been going in sequence to maybe be a way to remember things and, and uh, points that we're making. But today we're on, uh, it works out because the um, Hebrew letter is het, which is a kind of an H sound. Uh, and it falls in line with our English H. So uh, uh, the message title today is called Hurry to Help. Hurry to help. Um, I don't know if you were a Berenstain Bears reader when you were younger. I was. Uh, I loved the Berenstain Bears, and and there was always. Uh, I didn't realize how much scripture there was in the Berenstain. Until I got older, I I didn't really couldn't make that distinction as a, a child reading it, but reading it to my children and now to grandchildren, uh, I appreciate uh, the messages within that writing and so forth and. And uh, and their emphasis on on Jesus and uh, and that's uh, that's always an encouraging thing when you're looking for something to read to children. But um, I'm not going to read the story to you today, but just give you a, a spoiler alert in case you were getting ready to read "Hurry to Help" by Berenstain with the Berenstain Bears. Uh, here's what's going to happen. Uh, so cl- cover your ears if you don't want to know the ending. Uh, but Papa Bear takes the Bear Scouts out, and they're going to earn their good deed badge. And uh, and in the process, he in trying to help people, he winds up not helping people. He thinks, he feels in his gut, this is what I need to do to help somebody. And each time he, like there's an older lady, he's trying to help across the street. And he, so he gets all the kids and they help her across the street. And then they get her across the street and she misses her bus because she didn't need to cross the street. She was waiting for a bus. And so it goes on and on like that. Every time he thinks he's going to help somebody, he winds up hurting their situation more than helping their situation. That is kind of what we do uh, so often when we are trying to help people, we are not really helping people. We are actually making their situation worse. And one of the reasons that happens is because of us not being where we need to be in sync with the Lord. We sometimes just, we are so, uh, even though we believe in justification by faith and uh, it's through grace that we are saved, we get in our heads, it's a very Baptist thing to do, that we have to earn our way into heaven. We live like that. We live like people who are trying to earn our way into heaven. And so and the reason why I say that is, is we, when we do something wrong, we feel we need to counterbalance it with doing something right. So we operate out of guilt. So I didn't have a good day. I wasn't I wasn't kind to this person or I failed or I felt, felt like I fell short of being what I was supposed to be. So tomorrow I'm going to get up. I'm going to be a much better person to try to even out the scales. 
Don't think you don't think like that because we all think like that. We all get in this, you know, I, I gave too little here, so I'm going to give a little more here and it'll balance everything out. As if that's how that works. And that's the message we send to the world so often, to our children so often, as people are looking at us. And it's like, and it's a very natural instinct. I hurt somebody, I feel sorry or guilty that I've hurt that person, and it's like, let me make that up to you, is what we say. As if we can make it up. You can't make it up. Once you've done the wrong, the wrong is done. You have the guilt of that wrongdoing. The punishment for that wrongdoing is eternal separation from God. And we act like that's a repulsive message. That is the gospel message. The message is, is that, yes, I have done something wrong and I can't undo it. So I need a Savior. And Jesus is that Savior. Jesus is the one who doesn't give me the ability to make up for what I'm doing. He's not like, a, he doesn't come into my life and say, here's some extra credit. And if you do all these things, then God will see you much more favorably. No, he says, you have no hope of God seeing favor in you. But he sees favor in me. And so I'm going to die for you, and I'm going to give my righteousness to you. So that when you stand before God, He's not looking at the works you have done. He's looking at the works I have done. And you're going to get in by my name. By my name. Now we know this in practical reality. We've experienced this. I don't know if you've ever known somebody who got you in somewhere where you didn't deserve to go, but I definitely have had that experience where I didn't deserve to get in somewhere but I got in because I was with somebody whose name was much more important than my name and because of them I was able to enter in well that's the way we get into heaven it's not by what we've done it's by who we know it's that I know Christ I believe in him I trust him he is my savior he's promised that if I will follow him that he will lead me into Eternal life. I can't rescue myself. I need a rescuer. And now that I've been rescued, now that I've been saved, now he shows me a path to where I can live righteously. I can live in the righteousness that he's given to me through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so as I'm living in that righteousness, now I have the ability to truly help other people or bring aid to other people because I have now been saved, redeemed, and by following His statutes, by following His Word, by following what He teaches me to do, I'm capable of loving other people the way that God wants to love them, and I truly can help people. But it is dependent upon that relationship I have with Jesus. It is dependent upon me getting what I need from Him. So I must remain in constant fellowship with Him. And when I break fellowship with Him through my own sin, I have to repent of that sin, turn back to Him, go back to Him, so that I can be restored to Him, so that I can now help and minister to others again. So that's that's kind of what this is about today. It's about just us being right with God. And that's what uh, the psalmist says in, in verse, in chapter uh, 119, the 119th Psalm, Verse 57, he says, The Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. I have sought your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. I thought about my ways and turned my steps back to your decrees. 
I hurried, not hesitating, to keep your commands. Through the ropes of the wicked, though the ropes of the wicked were wrapped around me, I did not forget your instruction. I rise at midnight to thank you for your righteous judgments. I am a friend to all who fear you, to those who keep your precepts. Lord, the earth is filled with your faithful love. Teach me your statutes. Pray with me. Father, I just pray, God, this morning as we look at your word, Lord, that it brings us to a closer, tighter understanding of who you are. Lord, may we be drawn into your presence today and benefit from your word. Father, may we see our need to be connected to you. Lord, we we have so many people who are in need of our help. Father, may we get our lives right, our hearts right with you so that you might do your good works through us, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Very first thing we have to start with when we are going to help other people is we have to remove our plank. In Matthew chapter 7, in the Sermon on the Mount, it's a very familiar passage. We've seen it over again. We're going to just read straight from there, so don't mess it up. But he says in chapter 7, verse 1, Do not judge so that you won't be judged, for you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others, and you will be measured by the same measure you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Hypocrite, first take the beam of wood out of your eye. And then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. And somebody asked me if there was hyperbole in Scripture. Here it is. Hyperbole is when you make this big grandiose statement. And it really doesn't, you're really not saying to do literally those things like cutting off your hand or plucking out your eye. And here Jesus is saying something that he's not saying literally take a two by four out of your eye because you don't literally have a two by four in your eye but he is trying to make a point he's trying to give you a visual picture to help you understand i don't know if you've ever had a speck in your eye but it's extremely irritating it's very annoying to have a speck in your eye i've had uh, when you're after mowing the yard or working on something or something you get something in there and you want somebody to sometimes you need somebody to see can you see something in my eye to help me get it out you really 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 want someone to help you in that moment but if the person who's coming to help you has two before sticking out of their eyes if you get that visual picture You're not thinking, oh, this is the person I need to help me. (laughs) You're like, you got your own problems, buddy. I, I need somebody who can see clearly. Who can see clearly. And this is all, it's a very, Jesus is amazing with his words. It's an extremely clear illustration. I don't think you have to belabor it. The point is, until I deal with my own sin, I can't help other people. Until I deal with my own problems, I can't help other people. And this is, this is the quandary of the church. The quandary of the church has always been from the beginning of the church. If you think it's new to us, it's not new. There are lots of... If you want to know how to fill this room, if you want to know how to get people to come, then all we have to do is be a church that helps people. 
When we become a church that helps people, people, there are many people who need help, and they will come seeking help. They will come seeking answers. They will come seek, looking direction. Do you know why they don't come here? Because they don't think they're going to get help here. They look at us and say, well, they've got just as many problems as I have. Their life is just as frustrating as mine. There's nothing that singles them apart or sets them apart from me. I do what they do. I live like they live. And when there's nothing distinctive about the body of Christ, then there's nothing that draws people to Christ. You know, when you think of Stephen and when he was being stoned to death, and he's smiling and looking into heaven and saying, I see Christ seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's saying, Father, forgive these people. Don't lay their sin against them. They don't know what they're doing. That's different. He's not cursing them. He's not yelling at them and, or screaming and crying in pain. He's almost welcoming death and asking God to forgive the people who are doing this to him. That is a distinguishing characteristic. The Apostle Paul demonstrated that to the point where he was always willing to be in chains in order to communicate the message when he and Silas are trapped in prison and they're singing praises to the Lord and so forth. An earthquake comes and they don't run or try to escape. But they're all right there. And the whole family of the jailer of Philippi gets saved as a result of it. What, there's something distinctive. There's something different. It's because... And you, we'll just also look at the apostles. After, after Pentecost, after they are filled with the Holy Spirit and changed by the Spirit, look at the change in their lives. You don't have stories of, them, of Peter at that point going back to his nets and fishing again. No, he's forever changed. His, his destiny is different. He's going to different They all are now completely zero focused, zeroed in on fulfilling the mission of Christ. Willing to give their lives to share the testimony of God. Multiple imprisonments, beatings. Eventually they're killed. And God allowing it to show my people are different. He says that they will know we are his followers because the love of Christ is manifested in us. So it's not that your job goes perfectly. It's not that you never get sick. It's not that you, uh, that you have all kinds of money or that you're super successful or you're really good at everything you try to do. These are the things we act like will draw people to Christ because those are the things we're working at, being successful ourselves. Now he says it's the love of Christ that draws people to us. It's when we love, abnormally love people. Love to our own hurt. Love our enemies. Love the people who persecute us. Love the people who treat us poorly. These are the things that he says set us apart. Look what he says in verse 57. He says, the Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep your words I have sought your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. I thought about my ways and turned my steps back to your decrees. Now this is something that we have to be engaged in all the time. All the time thinking about, do my actions reflect God's decrees? Do my actions line up with God's commands? Do my actions line up with God's commands? That means I know God says it, now do I do it? 
And that's, an, that's not a once a week thing, or it's not a once a year thing. Definitely not a once a month thing, not a once a week thing. It's an everyday thing. An everyday thing of every, when I wake up in the morning, I say, God, help me to keep your decrees. When I go to bed at night, God, how did I do keeping your decrees? Help me tomorrow to be more faithful in keeping your decrees. Always studying his word to find out what his decrees are. What is it that he wants me to do? And, and be, spending time in his word and looking what it says. It's funny that we think we know what it says. But if we don't dwell in it, if we don't interact talking about it, if we're not sharing with one another, it's like, hey, I read this in the word. I'm not really sure what it means or what God wants me to do here. I mean, so often we, we like minute little trivial portions of Scripture because we think when we get to heaven there's going to be a Bible trivia game and we get extra points by answering those questions correctly. I'm going to tell you, it's not going to happen. God's going to say, hey, I, I gave you a pretty clear one. I gave you one commandment. I said, this is a big one. Let me make it super clear. I want you to love other people as I love you. So the only thing you had to figure out was how I love you. I gave you a big clue. I said, no greater love does anybody have than this than he would lay down his life for his friends. That means husbands will lay down their lives for their wives. That means husbands will lay down their wives for their children. That means wives, wives will lay down their lives for their husbands and for their children. That means children will lay down their lives for their parents and their friends. And, that, and, and all the people that and the church, the church will lay down their lives one for another. Instead, we become, I mean, Jesus even gave us a parable, this good Samaritan who there was this injured Jewish person on the side of the road and a priest goes around him and a Levite goes around him and then a Samaritan stops and helps him. I mean, you think about that just for a second. That means that during the course of my day, when somebody had a need, I skirted around it. I don't know about you, but I've been at the end of many days... And if I'll take a moment to think about it and ask God, God, how did I do in keeping your, how, how are my actions in comparison to what you asked me to do? He said, well, at least five times today you ran from people who needed your help. <laughs> Remember that Walmart? You saw them in the line. You were ready to check out, but then you realized you're going to be right up there next to them. So you turned your cart around and you ran back the other way and looked for 10 more minutes hoping they would get out of the place before you had to talk to them because you knew they had a need. And they were going to talk to you about it. You didn't want to talk to them about it. Because it's just laborious. I Come on. How many of us, guys, I'm just talking to you right now. If, you're, if you have kids, how many of you have had a sick child throwing up in the bathroom and you just haven't got super excited about jumping in there to help? And we're really hoping... That that person you live with will be the one to go in there and you kind of, after the fact, say, hey, do you need me to do anything? Or what? Good. I'm good. Yeah. No? Good. We have to be better about looking at whether we are actually doing what Christ has asked us to do. Now, let me, let me rewind for a second because this is not about you and I saying, oh, man, I failed again. Now I have to work harder at this. 
Now, what, what we're, we're trying to see in light of what we know about Christ, when we are looking at the plank in our eyes, we're trying to see where I'm not walking with Christ. I'm trying to do this in my own. Is here, here's what is happening, really, in that situation. My wife has a need, and she calls for me, and I'm like, Ugh, man, I don't want to do this. I do not want to do this. Or my children, or you, or whoever. I don't want to do it. I just don't. I'm tired. I don't feel like doing it or whatever. What's really happening in that situation is God is saying, give me the opportunity to show how amazing my grace and power is working through you. Even though you're tired and you don't want to do it and you don't want to get up and you don't want to leave whatever it is you're doing because you think, I, I'm, I never get a moment to myself. I never get to enjoy time by myself. I never get to do the things I want to do. I'm watching a TV show or I'm playing a game or I'm reading something or I'm just closing my eyes and taking a nap and I never get to do these things for me. God's saying, would you give me the opportunity to show if you'll just simply love this person as I love you, suffer for this person as I suffer for you, die for this person as I died for you. If you'll just do that, let me show you how much I'll restore all that. Let me show you how I will give you everything you're going to give up in this moment. I'm going to give it back to you in spades. I'm going to give it back to you a hundredfold if you'll just simply demonstrate my love in this moment. And if you will do that, I'm going to do something amazing with it. I'm going to take your action. I'm going to take your effort. And I'm going to multiply. And I'm going to transform lives. People will get saved. Lives will be changed. Heaven will be enriched. The kingdom will expand. If you'll just simply get up and do what I'm asking you to do right now in my own power. That's, all, that's what's happening in the little battle right there. That's why we have to take a moment and think. Am I, am I doing the things that God has asked me to do? Am I loving people as he loves me? Am I doing this? And if I'm not, Lord, help me to line up with what you do through the power of your Holy Spirit so that your power can be demonstrated in my life. I remember people, I've had so many people come to my children, my children think I'm a little insensitive because this is, this is, the kind of, this is the kind of response I give when people say, I feel like I'm going to throw up. I say, well, just throw up. And they say, I feel like I'm going to pass out. And I say, well, just pass out. <laughs> because what they're saying is, I feel faint, I feel faint. And they're like scared. Like, like I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I said, you know, if you pass out, we'll just pick your body up, <laughs> lay on a couch, and then you recover. But passing out won't kill you. So, <laughs> you know, either either get on with the program. And part of it, was, you know, when you, when you coach basketball and you coach little kids in basketball and you try to teach them how to be tough, I'm going to be careful not to say anything that will get me thrown in jail. I'm not sure about the statute of limitations on making practice hard for fifth graders, but we would run hard and we would run because we were trying to see how far we could run. Right? It's how far we could go. So you push and you push and you push and you push and you push. That's what we're seeing here. I mean, this is what I want to tell, what God wants all the body of Christ, me to hear and you to hear. If, you, if you're thinking in your mind, if I get up out of this recliner and help my wife, I'm going to die. God's in heaven going, well, let's see. Let's see if it kills you. Because if it does kill you, buddy, then welcome home. You got all of heaven ahead of you. Your reward is waiting for you. But if it doesn't kill you, 
glory be to Christ. If it kills you, glory be to Christ. Whatever the case, you obey me and you die, God is glorified. So the question is, is not, can I do it? Because I can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So the question is, will I do it? Do my actions line up with God's commands? Second thing, overcoming obstacles. It's just there are barriers always in the way of me doing what it is God wants me to do and trying to get past those barriers. There, there are always obstacles to grace, always obstacles to our faith, always things that are in the way. I want to help this person. It's like I, I'm, I, wanna, I realize this person needs my help. I realize that my wife needs my help. Oh, my goodness, i got a pain in my knee or whatever, or my legs, or break my leg or whatever the case. Obstacles. Look what he says in verse 16. He says, I hurried, not hesitating to keep your commands, though the ropes of the wicked were wrapped around me, I did not forget your instruction. Number one obstacle to us obeying God is the enemy of God. Manifested sometimes the enemy directly, sometimes the enemy in me, sometimes the enemy as he is present in the world. All obstacles to me actually doing what it is that God wants me to do. Friends, we, we have to get past the point where we see those obstacles and say, I can't do it because obviously there's that door there. And we haven't even checked to see if the door's locked. I remember we serve a God who when the, his nation came upon the city of Jericho and there were these fortified walls around it, he's the God who tears the walls down, right? Makes them fall through his own strength and power. There is never a time when God called his people into battle where the people did not win in battle when they were obedient to God. There is never a time. Never. There is never a time in our lives when God calls us into action and says, I want you to do this, that there is a barrier that he will not take out of the way. In fact, the way you know that God wants you to do it is the barrier will be taken out of the way. If the barrier is not removed, you're absolved. That's not what God wanted you to do anyway. That's how, how firm you can be in that faith. If God wants you to do it, he will do it. The question is, are you willing to go the distance? Are you willing to do it? I remember being in track and never realized how tall those hurdles were when you have to jump over them. And I had big feet. And I would knock that thing over every single... My toe would catch that every single time. And I'd be like, I just can't do this. I've got feet that are too big to do to be a hurdler. I, you know, I, I, I can jump, but I can't clear it because of that big foot. And my coach is like, the only question is, do you want to do it? Because if you want to do it, I'll train you how to do it. I'll train you how to get over those hurdles. You may not be the fastest, but I'll show you, you can do it. But you have to want to do it. You have to be willing to do it. You have to be willing to put the effort and the training and the practice in to accomplish the task. Obstacles are always going to come in the way. They're always going to be barriers. It amazes me how many people leave churches. How they quit. 
Because this Sunday school teacher said something or the preacher said something or, or I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to happen. I'm going to say something. Daniel's going to do something. Somebody on staff's going to do something. Some Sunday school teacher's going to do something. Some deacon's going to do something. Somebody's going to do something that creates an obstacle, a barrier to your faith. It's going to happen. The question is, are you willing to press past that to do what it is God puts you here to do? Wondering where that alarm's coming from. <laughs> the little beeping noise. <laughs> it's an obstacle to grace. I, so many times, have had the opportunity to do something, to do something amazing that God has called me to do. And I got right up to it, got right ready to do it, was so prepared to do it, and I couldn't, I just quit. I just quit. I remember I was having this conversation today. I had a, a, a pastor who said, Troy, you need to finish seminary. And I had an opportunity, a job offer in Louisville to where I could go there. And they said, we just want you to come here and work in an associate position. And if you'll take this position, then you can finish your school. And then we'll see from there. We just want to help you finish your school. And I remember I turned it down. And my accountability partner, pastor friend, he said, we said that the goal right now was to, for you to finish seminary and you had the opportunity to finish and you didn't take it. And then he just said to me, do not call me again. Do not talk to me again until you finish. Until you finish. Now, I take that and apply it into every avenue of my life. And I did. It was, took me seven more years because I made it a much more difficult task to finish by not taking that position. It took me seven more years to finish, but I did finish. And, I, and then I called him and he's like, good, now let's move on from here. And so often we are not getting where God would want us to do, accomplishing what God has called us to accomplish. We're not able to help others. We're not able to do the mission, the ministry he's called us to because we just are disobedient. And not willing to just do the things that God says to do. But once we do get those two befores out of our eyes, once we do decide we are going to go the distance, now we are ready for what is called speck removal. Speck removal. Look in verse 62. He says, I rise at midnight to thank you for your righteous judgments. I am a friend to all who fear you, to those who keep your precepts, Lord, the earth is filled with your faithful love. Teach me your statutes. Look at that verse 63. I am a friend to all who fear you, to those who keep your precepts. That means that because now I am a follower of your word, I am obedient to your word, now I am a friend to anybody who wants to be close to Jesus. I'm not super helpful for the people who don't want to follow Jesus, but I'm extremely helpful for people who do want to follow Jesus. I want you to think about that for a second. Are you more of a friend to people who don't want to follow Jesus than you are to people who do? Are you helping people closer to the Lord? Are you more helpful getting people further away from the Lord? But this is the question. Are you ready to help? Now, I'm not asking. Are you pumped up and ready to help? I mean, just like this emotional ready to help. I mean, 
Are you actually ready to help? Are you prepared? Have you got the training you need? The equipping that you need? The preparation? Have you gotten your life disciplined? Have you got the, the planks out of your eyes? Have you got your life connected to Christ? Are you walking in harmony with the Lord so that you can help other people? Because if you haven't, if you aren't, then you're not ready. You want to. Remember Peter, he said to Peter, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The reason why the flesh is weak is because we are not walking in harmony with Christ. And no matter how much you want to be a good father, no matter how much you want to be a good husband, a good wife, a good mother, a good community member, a good member of the church, you more, no, no matter how much you want to contribute to everything that's going on in the kingdom of God, you're not ready because you're not doing the basic foundational thing of being one in the Spirit of God, one with Christ. And that it only happens through obedience. Look in 1 Timothy chapter 5. Just want to close with this passage. 1 Timothy 5:24. It says, Some people's sins are obvious, preceding them to judgment, but the sins of others surface later. Likewise, good works are obvious. And those that are not obvious cannot remain hidden. When we do good things, I got that verse from the Berenstain Bears, by the way. The, when we do good things... It is obvious that we are walking with Christ. It's a good question. Is it obvious? When you, when you go to bed at night, is it obvious that you walk with Christ? Can you look at your children? Can you look at your spouse and say, was it obvious that I walk with Christ today? And if they were honest with you, do you think they say, yeah, absolutely. And can give examples. Here, this showed Christ. This showed Christ. This showed Christ. This showed Christ. You know, sometimes we, we when we manage our money, we, we don't like to pay attention to how we're spending it. We just like to go with it. I don't want to budget because a budget reminds me, it makes me feel like I have less money. Well, that's just ignorance. It doesn't change the amount of money you have. It just makes you more strategic in how you spend it. It makes you a better steward. And life is the same way. So often we don't want to pay attention to how we're living our lives because then it makes me feel like I'm in bad shape between me and God or I'm not doing all that I need to be doing. And the reality is, is it, you might be right. But it's still just ignorance. This morning I just want us to ask God to help us Ask God to help us become the people we need to be to bring others, to help others bring Jesus glory. This is a very simple invitation. It's God, help me get the beam out of my eye. Help me overcome the obstacles that are in front of me. Help me to be more faithful in my daily life so I can help others bring you glory. Help me to be who I need to be so that I can help others be who they need to be in Christ. That's the prayer. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you, God, for your goodness and grace and pray this morning that you will help us to be
who we need to be in order to help others be who they need to be in Christ. So whatever changes need to take place, big, little, whether they're small or large, whatever, help us to make those, help us to repent. Turn away from what we were doing that wasn't what you want us to do and turn towards you and do what it is you want us to do. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me as we have this time of invitation. I just want to invite you to come. Or do it right where you are. But just take a moment, just a little brief assessment. God, do my actions line up with you? Am I where I need to be? And if they don't line up, then guess what? You can't fix it yourself. That's good news. But he can fix it for you. All you have to do is say, God, correct me. Make me new. Get me back on the right path. I want to now do that which you want me to do. I want to be who you want me to be. I'm giving up whatever the other plans I had. And now I'm going to be you to others. I'm going to die to myself, live for others, take up my cross, deny myself, walk after you. I'm going to lay my life down so that others might live. Whatever it is that you have to do to express that to Jesus today, would you do that as we sing?